This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Well, hello, gentlemen. (laughs) Have we got a doozy for you today. It's an interview. An interview with my friend Scott Dotson. And because most of you don't know Scott, I'll just tell you a few fun facts about this guy. He's been a friend of mine for a couple years. He is a scientist. And he and his wife just so happened to pay off $175,000 worth of debt in less than three years. So we're going to be talking to Scott today to find out, A, what was the magic behind his, his story. But before you just assume that this is the same podcast you've heard before on other personal finance type podcasts, Scott has some wisdom that you just don't hear every day about what can happen to a family when they set their sights on debt reduction. Now, of course, some of those things that can happen are great, like the pay down of debt. But there is a ditch on either side of the road towards debt freedom. And so Scott's going to share some wisdom about how he and his wife navigated that time, some of the places where they fell on their faces and, and made mistakes, and some wisdom for those of you who might be just starting into a journey similar to Scott's. So I hope that you'll tune in and and really hear what I think is a message you aren't going to hear hardly anywhere else, which is that there's both uh, very positive and good things about paying off debt, but there's some danger in it too. So hope you'll enjoy this episode. Before we get started, I do want to apologize because I had to go to the backup audio on this one. The good news is we had some backup audio, so you still get to hear the wisdom of Mr. Dotson. The bad news is it's a little bit less crisp and perfect than we usually like to bring you here at Abraham's Wallet. So with that in mind, let's jump in. Uh, We're just going to tune in right in the middle of this conversation I had with Scott. I'm really glad that that you were willing to take a little bit of time and talk about something that that I haven't heard very often mentioned in the in the men that I talk about financial life with. And so I wanted to have you on here. We met for the first time when we were ministering to guys in the mash tent at Man Camp in Ohio. Is that right? That is correct. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Um so just to kind of jump right into to what we're going to talk about here, we we were just chatting about finances one day, and you kind of told me that you guys had, as a family had had debt, a lot of debt, and that you had aggressively eliminated it. So can you kind of fill in the, the details about what your situation was? Sure. Um my wife and I met in 2003. I was in a graduate program at the University of South Florida in Tampa. 
she was a professional working and within about a year of us dating, she went back to school and got her MBA at the University of Florida. And in 2006, we got married. And the first thing we did based upon something I told my wife that I do when I asked her to marry me, she asked that we get out of debt in an aggressive manner because of some family history. She did not like the idea of having debt. And so when we threw everything into a big pile and looked at it, it was over $175,000 worth of student loans, car payments, credit cards, and frankly, just living above our means. As graduate students, I went to college for 10 plus years and ended up getting three degrees. She went to college for six years and got two degrees. And then just doing the American dream and thinking I really needed a pair of $200 boots and and having cars that were brand new that were $30,000, we acquired a huge amount of debt. And that's how we started our marriage with this 175,000K bag hanging over our wow. heads. Yeah. And was there was there a catalytic event that um that made you guys say at this moment when we're already embarking on something pretty huge you know marriage we're going to also take on getting out from under debt <laughs> yeah we're sadist we just really like inflicting pain on ourselves and probably on each other too but no it really came down to when i asked natalie to marry me she had a few requests and one of them, and just to show you the caliber of person she is, one of them is we got to pursue this guy named God and Jesus. The, the other one was we're going to have to have kids. And then the third one was I want to get out of debt. And so when we started our marriage, that's those are the three things she asked me for when, when I asked her to marry me. And I thought they were completely reasonable. So when we got married, we started looking at our debt and it was 175K. and we both agreed it wasn't responsible to try to bring kids into this world and try to get out of debt and start careers and move from Florida, Ohio. And, and so that was really using your terms. The, the catalytic event was just trying to get our lives in order and not start off in the red. That's great. We, we talked on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about the fact that very few people actually are willing to look disorder in the eye and kind of confront it it sounds like you know you guys had two things going for you that I just don't hear very often one of them is a willingness to confront reality head-on and say this isn't uh as American and standard as it may be to have all these these debts weighing on us it's not acceptable and then to have a wife who also wanted you to, to dive into the exploration of, you know, who is God and let's also start a, a family. Um, that's a lot. And I, I think it speaks quite a bit about both of you, her for not, uh, for not being willing to kind of sweep this stuff down the road a little bit and you for not bolting as soon as she uh, <laughs> made these requests. Uh, there were thoughts on both sides. I'm sure of, sweeping it underneath the rug and then me bolting. But I agree with the idea at the time that we didn't want to carry this debt forward. I mean, 
it's just it's just going to compound interest and you're going to end up paying more. I didn't realize what I was getting into when I said yes to a person who does financial analyst as a job. I mean, she has an MBA in corporate finance. I, I had no clue what I was getting into. And then, um, yeah, it, it, it was a very interesting process. And, and it definitely bucks against the American dream and the idea of it's okay, okay to carry debt. Okay, so you guys, you made this decision. We're going to pursue all three of these avenues. My hunch is we could do a whole podcast on, on either of the other two. But when we think about debt specifically, what, what happened next? What did you do? So Natalie and I sat down. We were looking at this $175,000 worth of debt. And we unfortunately very quickly came into conflict. She wanted to be extremely aggressive. I wanted to be a little bit more laid back about it. I wanted to have the... Uh, probably the cake and eat it too. And the fact that I wanted us to be able to get out of debt in a timely fashion, but still be able to explore what it meant to be newlyweds and travel and have fun. And I wasn't really quite ready to give up some of the immaturity that comes with um, going straight from grad school into to being married with a serious job. And so I wanted to have a little more fun. Natalie on the other hand was, was laser focused and she heard about this thing called the Dave Ramsey plan where I'm sure you're, you're familiar with this Mark. Yeah. You just go after it aggressively and you pay off the smallest debt to the largest. And there's always one person in the relationship that's more serious about it. And that fell on my wife and I, and I tried to retain the crown of kind of the family gesture that wanted to have fun and figure out a way to get out of debt in a timely fashion. And so what did that look like in terms of specific uh, day-to-day changes? Well, the, the big change is initially started off with budgets and budget discussions. And my wife, like I said, she did corporate finance for about 20 years. And she sat down and said, okay, uh, I'm going to take charge of this. I'm going to do the day-to-day management of it. We're partners on this. And here's what we're doing. And she pulled up this spreadsheet that if you're not a numbers guy and you're not a person who appreciates finances, this is just overwhelming. I mean, I used to joke around that this thing was so scripted and so in depth that it probably told me when I was supposed to take the trash out on a daily basis. I mean, there were spreadsheets within spreadsheets within spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. We It looked like Congress, but much more efficient in the fact that things actually got done. We had line items from everything from, rent at the time to insurance to riders on our insurance for certain things we wanted to to have special insurance for like uh, her wedding ring to toiletries to shoes to fun money I mean I just imagine a detailed line by line anything in your life that you think you could be spending money on there was a there was a column for it or a row. And then we had to figure out every month, if we had $3,000 coming in, how much of that was going to debt, how much of it was going to go into each one of these line items. And it was a very tough transition. It, it was like going from um, being a person who was weighing 400 pounds, eating anything that they wanted to all of a sudden being told, okay, you're now on this very strict diet and we're going to shave off 200 pounds as quick as possible. Yeah. And it's a painful process. I mean, it was a very painful process on the initial transition or just kind of transition into it. And us 
finding a place where we could talk about it where one, I didn't just get overwhelmed and she didn't feel discouraged or unsupported. Right. And I think that that's, like you said, there's always one person in almost every couple, you know, even as I work with clients on this stuff all the time, there's, there's usually one person who's the money person and the budget person. It doesn't always have to be the same, the same person between those two things, but um, that can be a huge asset to a family. It can also be a source of a feeling like you're kind of being drugged down the road with the, by the kind of unwillingly. Um, but it sounds like you guys kind of figured that out because the, the end of this story, if you were just telling it on a, on Dave Ramsey or something is <laughs> that you guys paid off the debt, right? When it was all said and done, we started in January, February of 2007 getting out of debt. We had both moved. Oh, of course we moved together from Florida to Cincinnati. We both got jobs and we decided based upon what Natalie's research has showed that we needed to use half of our income to pay off debt and the other half actually less than half to live on. And from using that method from January, February of 2007 till November, 2009, with the interest and everything, we paid off more like a hundred and eighty-five plus thousand dollars. And so that's bananas. And I want to make sure that <laughs> people don't think that we were making. Se- yeah, and I want to make sure people. I didn't have a seven-figure job. My wife didn't have our. I think our initial incomes combined were about a hundred and thirty thousand in January of two thousand seven. And so we were living on less than 65000 and then you take out the taxes, and the rest of it was all going towards debt. I still don't understand how the math works out. It, it doesn't seem like it should, but it does. That's great. And so first, before we kind of go into part two of the conversation, I just would say that's something worth celebrating that you guys did. It's, it's a feat that a lot of people would consider impossible, especially on that income. So a big high five from <laughs> us here at Abraham's it, wallet. Well, it is funny to celebrate. We actually had a small party at our house we were renting and the theme was vodka and s'mores. And, <laughs> two, and within uh, two weeks we found out she was pregnant with our oldest daughter. So I'm not sure if they coordinate or correlate, but, yeah, it's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys do a debt-free scream? No, we can never get in to oh. Dave Ramsey. I know Natalie wanted us to do it together, and with her working and me working, we can never really coordinate our times. And then she was going to do it, and then it just kind of faded over time. But we did it in our own way, privately. <laughs> nice. Vodka yeah. and s'mores. Yes. Uh, and then there was a baby. <laughs> um, so... I think, like I said, if this was just a Dave Ramsey podcast or even, you know, Mr. Money Mustache or a lot of the, the voices out there in the personal finance world, we would be done now. That that would be the, the victory story of you can go do this too. And for a lot of the people that are listening, <laughs> that is the message that you can get out of debt and you can take aggressive action kind of in the same way that you guys did. But when you and I were talking about this maybe a year and a half ago for the first time, you said some things that I've just never in my life heard anyone discuss, which is that 
we were so focused on this goal of paying down our debt that it had kind of some externalities or some unintended consequences that we just weren't even able to see until we stepped back and went, whoa, that was potentially um, uh, kind of dangerous ground that we were walking on without even knowing it, despite this this big victory. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, some of them, some of these negative outcomes are probably superficial and then some of them have had lasting effects. I mean, gosh, we're now 10 years past getting out of debt and my wife and I are still trying to figure out how to navigate some of them. So the superficial stuff is I feel like we really lost contact with a lot of our friends at the time and it really alienated us from certain family members in the form that they would call and someone would call and say, Hey, um, we're going to Lexington, Kentucky this weekend. There's a football game. Why don't you guys come down and join us? And these are people we had loved to see and, and have time with, but we hadn't budgeted this into our monthly budget for October or whatever month it was. So we would have to say, no, we're getting out of debt. And because of that, we can't join you. And after hearing that for three years, a lot of people stopped calling. And so we lost relationships over doing this. We also had problems with our family in the fact that they would say, listen, you guys really are making yourselves miserable. It's obvious that you're miserable from a marital standpoint, from a relational standpoint, you're not having fun. You're not really acting like newlyweds. You're acting like old people who don't have any money and we would just have to explain to them over and over we're trying to do this for longevity is we're having short-term pain and suffering so that we can can have long-term investments and, and that paid off I mean we had twins that were really sick in 2013 and my wife was able to take six months off unpaid and we never touched our savings during that time period because of the way we live our lives and the fact we're out of debt but it, from a relational standpoint, we we lost some stuff over that. I mean, we still hear about it at times from people. So on the more serious side of effects, is it's really caused some strife between my wife and I. We're ten years now out of getting of uh, getting out of debt, and we still have to deal with things on a day to day basis. And the strife has been introduced into conversations beyond our finances now. And, it, and I think it all stems back to the fact that she was laser focused and wanted to run after this debt with everything we had and wanted me to be on board with it. And on the other side of it, I wanted to take a slower pace and have more fun and live life a little more. And we just never were on the same track. She was always at a different place than me or I was always in a different place than her. And because of that, it set a pattern in our marriage that has been really difficult to dig ourselves out of. Hmm. So I'm a hundred percent sure that there's people listening to this right now that are in the, in the same spot you were when you guys were starting down this path. And I don't know if it's $175,000 or if it's $30,000, but either way, um, when you think about kind of, how you guys have started to address some of those deeper things that occurred during this debt debt reduction phase of life and look back on um, how it went. 
acknowledging the good, acknowledging that you guys were debt free, for example, to take care of your kids uh, when they came along. Uh, do you do you have some things yet that you would be able to say? This is where um, we should have done exactly what we did and swallowed the bitter pill and sucked it in. But here's some areas where we would have probably approached it differently. Yeah. Speaking for myself, not Natalie on this, I, I would probably rephrase the whole conversation. I know that the American dream is that a marriage is a perfect partnership and you both have to be in it 50%. But the problem with that math is if you're only in it 50%, it means you're also 50% out. And so when we were doing this, I personally kept saying, oh, yeah, I'm in this 50%. And that was a truthful statement. And I didn't realize that it meant that I was only halfway involved, that I was only halfway committed. I wish I could go back and look at this more from a person who's following Jesus' standpoint and saying, I'm all in. If this is where my wife wants to go, I'm willing to support this. I'm willing to help lead this. And I'm also willing to help stand up and say, okay, we need to autocorrect things better in a way that's not confrontational but in a way that is honoring both her and the commitment I'd made, but more importantly, in a way that it's not going to devastate us or cause allow an entrance point for a spirit of strife. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like, you know, Natalie was probably in a, in a spot where she was actually equipped to, lead the effort in many ways um, on the debt reduction. That was another question I had for you is how did you, did you, and then now looking back, um, how would you um, really leverage her skills to the, to the benefit of the whole family um, without trying to completely say, well, you you can just lead our family for the next few years while we deal with this issue. Yeah. And just to kind of set the baseline, I'm a scientist. I like chemistry, toxicology. I like data and data and numbers. But when it starts getting into finance, that part of my brain is not developed well. I understand long-term investments. I, I understand certain portions of it, but having a budget sheet and having that knowledge that Natalie has acquired both naturally and through her schooling, lead makes so much more sense. So if I had to do it again, if I could take a step back, I would absolutely continue to step into a place of leadership for the family. But what that means is really by serving her and giving her the emotional support, the tools, everything she needs to take a hold of the the finances and lead it well. And the other part of it is that if I was going to do this again, I wouldn't try to be a 200 and something pound anchor slowing down the process. And I I think at times I intentionally did things just because I was mad and felt like I was being controlled and just not listened to that probably derailed us a little bit. And, And looking back on it, it was a very passive aggressive way of not having conversations. Mm. And so I'd be much more verbal about things. I would be much more supportive and stand in a place of leadership that in a way that I haven't done before. Yeah, that makes sense. What does anything come to mind when you think about places where you dug your heels in and maybe sideline the effort, uh, whether or not you were aware you were doing it at the time? 
You know, uh, I think of the, every time I put these boots on, I've got a pair of Columbia boots that I bought the first year we were getting out of debt. And it was a really snowy year here in Cincinnati, like 13 inches of snow at a time, which is unheard of. And I went and bought these boots because I legitimately needed boots. But instead of going and buying a cheap pair, we're waiting till a couple of weeks until the budget was up for renewal like you know when we do our monthly budget i went and bought these boots because i needed them in and i knew it was going to cause conflict i knew it was going to throw us off and it caused a huge fight and i mean i look at these boots 13 years later and i refuse to get rid of them because i'm getting my money's worth out of them (laughs) but there's just places where there was little things like that where i i just knew that it was going to upset natalie that it was going to cause a disagreement but I went ahead and did it because I either felt justified or I just was being defiant for lack of better terms. It, it, there was some, I'm not going to lie that there was immaturity on my part, but I was feeling controlled and sidelined and completely ineffective. I mean, she is much better at leading the finances than me. And every time we try to have a conversation, I was just feeling overwhelmed and, and I think that those are the ways that I kind of passively aggressive just kind of held us back. Yeah, that makes sense. So one of the things that I would pull out of your story, I guess, is that, you know, I hear a lot of talk in the circles where you and I both run about the necessity of fathers leading households. And I'm a hundred percent in on all of that. I think where we can sometimes misstep is to assume that that means actually taking every decision and making it and not uh, realizing when we have the gift of a talented COO, if you will, um, in our wives. And in many cases, you know, my wife's not the financial person in our family, but she is way more skilled than me in all sorts of other areas, but uh, figuring out how to, to balance that is pretty important. And I think it's, it's kind of tricky ground, especially if you're trying to do it in the first three years of your marriage. Yeah, I agree with you. I used to make the joke that she was the CFO. I was a COO. And then when our oldest daughter came along somehow, she became the CEO. And, but if you think about that, even though it was a joke, that is completely out of whack. I mean, at the whole time, I should have been the CEO that was enabling the CFO, and I should have put that kid in the mailroom and told her to work her way up. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I mean, but this whole idea that leadership means that you have to make every decision, that's, that's more of a dictatorship. I've tried that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work to sit back and let somebody else say, well, I'm going to lead from behind. That doesn't always work. But realizing that my wife is better at something than me and that I should enable her, that's effective leading as long as I do it right, which I still don't get it right 95% of the time these days. Yeah, well, I think that in some ways there's a fear to to dig into stories like this because people go, well, what if people use it as a license to... Uh, to not pay down their debt. And I don't want to take anything away from the, the good work you guys did. But I also really think that there's going to be people that hear this and say, huh, like personal finance is not, is not meaning. <laughs> Getting rid of debt is not a sufficient uh, purpose for my life. 
and and when it becomes that it sounds like it can wreak all sorts of havoc on a family yeah so let me say it this way then as far as the benefits that we've seen being out of debt the biggest one is like i said we had twins in 2010 they were very sick we were able to have natalie take a full six months off without having pay and it never affected our lifestyle. Actually, our spending went up significantly at that time because we were at the hospitals and we weren't taking care of normal groceries and budgets and things like that. And because of that, because of her leadership and the way we were getting out of debt or we were out of debt, it allowed us the freedom to live our lives without having the fear of her still working or losing one of our kids or things like that because we weren't present. That is, that was huge. The other one is that it's allowed us to look around at the world completely different now and think it's really foolish to run up a credit card debt just because we want to take a vacation. And it, it's allowing us to, to buy cars and do remodeling on our house in a, and what we think is still a satisfactory way is just maybe not as quick as other people because it's not about giving in to instant gratification. It's about saving the money and we just built a new deck on the back of the house and we saved up and we did that the appropriate way. And we have no debt where we didn't have to take out a second mortgage. We didn't have to borrow money for it. And and that is a lot of freedom and there's no stress on, on the fact that we don't have car payments. We don't have uh, anything besides our current mortgage coming in on a monthly basis that we have to do. And so you can plan out a lot. And so there's a lot of freedom that comes from not having a debtor standing at your door every day. Yeah, I think if you, if we could take a step back and either have it where Natalie and I were on the same path and the same mindset and same everything, the same level, then this would not be a conversation you and I'd be having. I think is the fact that we were at different places and we didn't ever really come into a, a common place of harmonization where we agreed that this was the pace we wanted to go and this was the goal and this is why we were doing it. That I think that if we had done that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But for people who are starting off and they're in a marriage and you've got one person that's hoping, that's wanting to go a little bit slower and one person that's wanting to go faster, I think if, if we were doing that again, I'd want to do something more progressive where we say, okay, let's start off for the first couple of months slower and try to get used to eating less and, and living on less and doing less before you go straight into a hard get out of debt program. That way you kind of have a phase in time period where people can see how it's going. Uh, this is one of the things that I've realized that I think going from living completely free, not worrying about debt, just spending everything to all of a sudden having boundaries put up around everything we do really caused me as a free spirit to revolt. And I don't know if we've ever recovered from that. Yeah, man, that's, that's wise. It makes me think of so many things that aren't money related, even whether it's trying to lose 30 pounds, you don't say I only eat pizza and beer and I'm going to now have a perfect clean vegan diet. You you say, well, I'm going to change one little thing and see if I can stick that for two weeks. And then maybe, maybe I'll add one more thing depending on how that goes. Um, it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
pay off one little $500 credit card and see how that goes and how it feels before you say, I'm going to tackle 175 K I respect the Dave Ramsey plan, but I, I think that if you're so focused in on finance only, you stop living your life or anything else. And we know that that's not the way you're supposed to live now. And I mean, it, the other benefit that I didn't drop in, Mark, is we've been able to be much more gracious now with our money. I've never really had the desire to be a giver because I've always tried to hoard money and thought, you know, either I need to spend it for instant gratification and have fun and vacations, or I need to save it for long term down the road. And now getting out of debt actually gave us the ability to be much freer. And now that God's come in to the picture, he's made it even more uh, uh, something that he highlights to us. It's like, you know, you've got freedom. You don't have to worry about not having enough money because you have no debt to worry about. You're still going to make your rent or your mortgage. You're still going to do all these things. So now give more money away. And it, it's kind of, once again, a new type of freedom that's really mind blowing. That's awesome. Well, Scott, thanks for, for, like I said, being willing to have this chat. You guys, I think you, you might, uh, retrospectively be a little hard on yourself as you think back to what you could have done and even where you are today. But I, I can say for my part, it's been a huge encouragement to get to know you and even to, to hear this story. So thank thanks. you, Mark. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. There you have it. I thought that was great. I really appreciated, like I said, Scott's uh, insights into the different things that just don't get talked about often when it comes to to thinking through how a person or a young family is going to address the problem of debt. I hope that you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Now, if we've had people write in and say they want more interviews, uh, if, if you're out there and you're thinking, I've got a great story for Abraham's wallet, we would love to hear from you. So feel free to drop me a line my name is Mark, and you can reach me at mark at abrahamswallet.com. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to write in. So until next week, I'm Mark for Abraham's Wallet. <laughs>